Oh, good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Crowcast Tuesday Night Live. And being the pre-season, we've had a little technical glitch there, which we've overcome, as we always do. So we're back into it now and live. And thanks, everyone, for joining us on Spreaker, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, we hope to bring you some entertainment over the next 45 minutes. And, of course, joining me, as per usual, the lovely Nikki. How are you, Nick? I'm good. That's good. I don't think I've ever called you the lovely Nikki before. No, something's going you on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll try not to make a habit of it. And Mac, how you doing? Yep, yeah, no, I'm pretty good, mate. I was a little bit lost there with uh, Burton gone and no dickheads to call, but the Park Lands mob has emerged, so I've got something to <laughs> aim at. Oh, <laughs> uh, look. Do you want to know something? My um, uh, lovely boss. Uh, her father is a North Adelaide resident and has been actually on the news promoting against uh, the Crows' uh, plans there in North Adelaide. So uh, you can imagine as a consequence of that, we've had some discussions. (laughs) Yep. Uh, No, I actually posted tonight on Twitter, you know, know, get those NIMBYs to get off their gophers and they go and have a look at it. Well, they've, even, look at it. they've even got the world famous Andy Thomas uh, in their corner now, which is a bit rude. Um, oh, isn't he a, isn't he a Crows ambassador? Um, interesting thing though, has her father? When was the last time he actually went? Uh, one of the reasons the he's a, one of the, well, one of the reasons he's so opposed is because he's a pool regular, and so wouldn't he like it fixed? Well, see. The issue is, and we're sort of jumping the gun a little bit, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, The issue is, uh, and I think this is probably a problem in the whole uh, process, is that they're afraid that they're going to lose access. So even though Vegas has come out a few times and said, look, you know, it's a public facility and we might be renting a couple of lanes every now and again, but it's a public facility, um, those opposed uh, are afraid that uh, they're going to lose access. So I... it comes down to communication. It always does come down to communication with these things. And, um, yeah, I, I think uh, the process itself has been a bit flawed and probably led to a bit of this confusion, notwithstanding the fact that you're always going to get the NIMBYs that just don't want it. Yeah, well, I used to be a member there and uh, I stopped going there because it was so decrepit and run down. The change rooms are a thorough disgrace. Yeah. And... When they talk about, and you know, the Crows talk, they, they will hire lanes from time to time. Um, often when I was doing my swimming, I was restricted. I could only use uh, two, one of one of two or three lanes because all the rest were, go, were booked out by somebody else. Yeah, school, and, uh, schools or what have you, you know. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a, a number of things that um, go on there and, uh, you know, I mean, the place is losing money. The place needs money spent on it. I think one of the issues that the... Um, the pool people have is that they're going to use uh, lose a diving board. Well, those diving boards are in a pretty bad state at the moment anyway. Uh, so, you know, what are they actually losing? Um, so, yeah, it's... I think a lot of the problem, Mac, is just a, a lack of communication and a general, you know, Adelaide displeasure any any sort of progress any no sort change. of development yeah exactly right so um yeah. anyway but the, 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 it is hypocritical because uh sody who leads the bunch 
he actually, uh, you know, says he, he doesn't want, you know, sporting clubs like Adelaide, big uh, conglomerates, using the parkland uh, for exclusive use. But you've got the Adelaide Bowling Club, which is on parklands. You've got the Croquet Club, which mostly North Adelaide members probably are people are members of. Yep. Um, so it's hypocritical. 100%. There's lots of, I mean, I think um, the Crows being a, you know, quote-unquote corporate rather than a government-funded or community-funded or council-funded uh, program, you know, is something that they can easily, you know, target. But uh, the bottom line is they're not losing anything as far from the information that we've been given so far. They're not losing anything. Uh, they're gaining an upgraded facility and... Uh, you know the ovals remain intact. No, no fences are going up anywhere, etc., etc., etc. So, uh, it just, it just frustrates. I, I this this town just frustrates me because there's so much potential in this city, and we need new developments. And this sort of opposition is not just about the crows; it just turns other investors away. Exactly, and on top of that, um, the other benefits to the community are that their their own council will save a fortune, and uh, on top of that, the O'Connell Street traders will get be revived. Um, so it's you know it's just good for North Adelaide and Adelaide as a whole. And uh, yet you've got this uh, group of, uh, and I don't want to be uh, disrespectful, but they are very aged uh, North Adelaide residents. Um, you know, then closed minds like you like when you're talking about. Uh, closed minds and uh, they're trying to stop it and if the Adelaide City Council don't go ahead with it they are the most stupid council of all time but they've also really proven that they are so it's you know it makes you worry. Well you know without labouring the point too much more um, there was a, a strategic plan put out in 2017 for that aquatic centre and the estimate was 10 to 14 million dollars needed to be spent on it. Um, 21 now. Yes so the council aren't going to cough up that sort of money. It's going to need some sort of corporate injection to stay viable. Um, and so whether it be the Adelaide Crows building a facility around it or whether it be some other corporate entity uh, that injects funds into it, you are not going to get $20 million from the, dollars from the council. You're not going to get $20 million from the state government because they've invested in the Marion swimming pool. Where's, where's the money going to come from? You know, their, their attendances are down. They, they lost seven hundred or $800,000 last year. Um, so they're not making any money. And what, uh, one of their suggestions was because people from outside, other councils come and use it, and they're saying, well, so the other councils should put their money in. Well, I'm in Marion. Uh, we've got two swimming pools. Yeah, exactly. We, 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 we already yeah, paid for ours. We've got two. They've yeah. got one. Look, the bottom line is the place needs to be rejuvenated. Um, it's going to need an injection of funds. The injection of funds isn't going to come from public coffers, you wouldn't think. Um, and so in terms of the people that use that pool regularly, I actually don't know what their opposition is because the Crows developing around there and updating that facility is the best shot they've got at having a nice place to swim. In my 100% opinion. 100% right. Yeah, 100% right. Precisely. And yeah. Paul C on the chat said, can't the state government step in? No, they don't have that money to do that. It's no, the only reason the Crows... Not just that. And the cro- can, they, they can, and on major projects, they can override, but I'm not sure they can in this case with Parklands. 
I don't actually think it. Um, uh, I don't think it qualifies as a as a, a, a coming under the state development plan. But I I could be wrong on that one. Anyway, look, let's push on. That, that's got mm-hmm. a long way to go. Um, yeah. I'm just saying they're my burden at the moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look, uh, the other thing that, uh, now that we're into the news anyway, let's talk about some AFL news. And uh, one of the things that sparked my interest today was the AFL releasing its uh, its salary numbers. And uh, yeah. there are nine players, nine nine players above uh, a million bucks, um, two of them at 1.2. What I found most surprising, well, a couple of things I found surprising, but one of the things I found most surprising was the number of players in that, 200 below mark I actually thought that was quite surprising you've got uh, you know what's that about 300 odd players um, on 300 or less and you've got nearly 200 of them on 200 or less that, that's a fair chunk when you're talking about a total of what 600 players 700 players in, in the system um, and aren't they counting rookies now more than because they didn't used they to are. count rookies? They are counting rookies, so it'd be, because uh, then they're on the main list. So I think there's you've got that increase that's come into that little pool. Yeah, but that only counts for, for what we've previously had. That only accounts for probably thirty odd players because there's thirty one players between sixty and a hundred, which would pick up your rookies. Your rookies on a, on around about sixty five, I think. Um, but you've got 166 players on between 100 and 200,000. So they're probably the, the second-year rookies that have been uh, extended, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, but when you look at the numbers, you've got, uh, what's that, 90, 119, oh, that's a, that's a number, uh, 135 players between uh, 500,000 and 900,000. So that's like... That's not a huge amount of players. Well, what it clearly tells you, though, Fiend, that unless you're a, um, a regular in the side and uh, regarded as uh, an automatic selection, you're not going to get paid very much uh, by comparison to the other guys. So that means you've really got um, probably two levels of players, the ones that get the good money and the ones that, that are struggling to get in, and Paholke would be probably in that category if it's in uh, Adelaide, for example. Um I'd think he'd be a 200 guy for sure. Oh, uh, probably under 200, yeah. Look, yeah. I think what it says to me is that there's a bunch of very elite players and it it follows that trend of big money following, you know, uh, certain players. Every year we have one or two players that are targeted with big money. Um, and it seems to me that each, each club or the majority of clubs, and I would suggest particularly the Melbourne-based clubs, are putting a lot of eggs in one basket salary-wise. Um, and I don't know whether that's a, a professional way to run an organisation. You're leaving yourself quite exposed, aren't you? Yeah, I've often thought about this, Fiend, and, and I think you're onto something there because, um, it, you know, for example, um, Grundy's the latest one. Um, yeah. He's got a, a seven-year contract and they're talking about he's possibly getting $1.3 million. Yeah. Um, a year, um, you know, it, it's he's he's a very good player, and I'm not saying he's not worth a lot of money. But he's not actually list. He's not actually listed, isn't he? No, you've got uh, surprisingly Jer- Jeremy McGovern at, at West Coast, 
Jeremy yeah, surprised me. Yeah, Jeremy Cameron at GWS and Lance Franklin Winita. at Sydney. Do you think McGovern from West Coast might have been uh, offsetting him wanting to play with his brother? Anyway, and then you've got Josh Kelly from the Giants. So that's two Giants on a million or thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, Pendlebury and they at, get subsidy. Yeah, Pendlebury at Collingwood, which surprised me. Dangerfield, which also surprised me a bit considering he left us for six fifty. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> bon, 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 and, and the promise that it was going to come up. Yeah, Bontempelli at the Dogs. Another Eagle, Andrew Gaff. So there's two Eagles. Uh, and Patrick Cripps uh, at Carlton. And um, you've also got Polek that uh, is on a front-ender deal, which gets him up there, and Tommy Mitchell. Uh, it doesn't include Tom Boyd, who uh, is negotiating an exit package or has negotiated an exit package. So... You know, um, Grundy isn't in that conversation. See, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, well, I've always thought that... Um, Notwithstanding, that, that's 2000... Is- sorry, I must qualify that, Mac. Sorry to interrupt. That's 2019 numbers. So you're right. probably right that Grundy's now in that conversation for next year's figures. I think he would be. Um, I, well, we've got a salary cap for the group as a whole, and... It, and I wouldn't be against the AFL putting a um, individual salary cap inside teams. In other words, you can't pay, pay, pay on the amount of money you've got. You can't pay uh, a top player more than say one million dollars um, to to get it because actually you, a team is made up of a lot of players, and that one player can't win games on their own. And I know that they can be. Sometimes the difference between winning and losing uh, in very tight games. But by the same token, um, I do really do think it, and I know it happens in all sports, it, and it's very, it's very elitist. And I wouldn't be, for example, and I'm not saying that you know not to pay them well, but I wouldn't mind seeing a salary cap put on, say, at, at a million dollars, no more for any individual player, to make sure that some of the others that sweat their guts out and uh, you know, and play every week, and they're only getting perhaps two fifty or three hundred. Perhaps get a little bit more. Well, I'm a little bit different than that, Mac. I, I don't disagree in principle, uh, but what I would like to see is um, maybe some tiers. So some some caps, like a certain amount of players need to be within well, a certain salary range. If you know, like you yeah, know, so 20, that's yeah, probably yeah, where like I'm a, going to. That's probably where I'm going. Percentage. Yeah, fifty percent need to be above. You know, three hundred thousand yeah. or something like that. Because the problem is that, and there's, you know, I was having a conversation at work today with a port supporter, and we we're talking about junior development and and how the system really, um, you know, chews up young kids and spits them out. Um, we've got a lot of players devoting a stupid amount of time to make it in into the AFL system that are not going to earn enough money to justify you know, the commitment for three or four years and then getting turfed out out onto the streets, basically, with, with not a lot of uh, life skill or other skills. And Correct. and to me, I think the salary cap was put in place in order to limit teams' ability to gain an advantage because of the checkbook. And yet, I think where we've got to now with the salary cap is that it's been manipulated to such a degree... And it's just you know just capitalism again in in a microcosm. Most of the money is going to a very few amount of players, and the rest of the players are playing for comparative peanuts 
to make up the team. Mm-hmm. You, you look at a, a guy like Jared Lyons, who was offered, you know, reportedly offered one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to stay at Gold at, at Adelaide. Yeah, that's now, insulting. Now, all right, it might have been a strategy to to get him to uh, nick off somewhere else because which it uh, was obviously the Crows didn't want want him around. But the simple fact of the matter, he's he's turned into a bona fide midfielder in, in the AFL system with Brisbane. Now, I don't think it's fair that a bloke like Jared Lyons or, or the many other players of similar, similar ilk to him are disadvantaged because a club wants to pay exorbitant amounts of money for a quote-unquote star. You know, it's, it's not a fair system. And there's a lot of commitment that these kids and these young men have to put in to get into the system and then stay in the system. And you've got, you know, the, the unknown factors of, of, um, of injury uh, and form. And because we're drafting them at such a young age, they don't have an opportunity to actually develop other skills and gain other training and, and all the rest of it. So they're in the system until, you know, if, if they don't make it successfully, they're in the system until 21, 22, 23 years of age. And they exit the system with not a huge amount of money and nothing really to show for it and having to start again. And in the meantime, you've got the Dusty Martins of the world earning a million bucks. And I think I think there needs to be some equity reintroduced into the system to to help the the lesser lights of the system make professional football a viable proposition for them. Don't disagree with that. And, and, and one example, a very good example within our, our club again, is Cam Ellis Yolman, who's kept on a rookie list for ages, and yet um, in the last year of playing for us, uh, when he had those eight good games in a, in a row, he's getting paid rookie wages now, maybe a bit more than rookie wages, but he's getting paid peanuts when he was in our very best players in for eight weeks in a row. And uh, and I, I do understand, look, uh, Paul C is saying it's the same in every sport and that uh, people are there to see the stars, not the others. But uh, that isn't quite true because they're there to see the team. Because yeah. um, and, and, they, and, yes, they do want to see the individual, but the individual can't do it on their own. There is a team. Well, look, and, and I it's... Think it's not a direct comparison. You got Jared Haynes went over to to sign on to a practice squad with the San Francisco Forty ers and earned a million dollars US, you know, and played three games of of gridiron. Um, it's not the same. The lower lights in those big professional competitions like the NBA and the NFL and and the uh, Major League Soccer and English Premier League and all those uh, professional leagues are on a hell of a lot higher base salary than what a first, second, third year AFL footballer is. So, yes, it is the same in, in terms of the disparity, but there's not enough money in AFL football to sustain uh, more than the top, you know, 30%, or judging by those payment numbers, the top 30% of players. Um, and that was a situation that the salary cap was trying to address, and I think it needs to be rejigged. And just because, and just because it's oh, that's the same way it is all over the world, and but we've identified it's an issue. So just because it's being done doesn't mean we can't look at it and try and get it changed. Yeah, I like the tier system. Yeah, I I think like a tier system that you have to have a certain number of players, percentage players in this salary bracket, and this salary bracket, and this salary bracket. Yeah, because um, at the moment, what the pro- the problem is a lot of a couple of those players that you named 
they're the ones that sit on the AFLPA. Yeah, and are look, they going to be willing to take a pay cut? Well, and of course, but the AFLPA represent the entire AFL players, the 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 whole group. So they <laughs> they don't just represent. Yeah, I know they don't just represent Dustin Martin. They also represent, you know, Will Hamill, a uh, second-year Crows player. And the problem is, the more they bump up the mil- minimum wage through the CBA, all it's doing is making that situation worse because they're not taking from the top-tier players to fund the increase in the minimum wage. They're actually taking from the middle-tier. So, you know, yeah. your, your, your middle-tier players are going to get less of a rise. Um, and I think it's why we see a, a fair bit of player movement like you look at you look at the crow situation we had jake lever on on reasonable coin but because of his his um his value in that were well, perceived value in the market he was able to ask for an amount of money that adelaide just could not match because of the fact that he was going to go into that top bracket of earners you know um mitch mcgovern was the same he was going to mm-hmm. he was asking for an amount of money that far exceeded his um his value simply because he was able to and all it takes is another team to have room at that at that middle to top tier and they can take a, a bloke like Mitch McGovern and what it does then you've got a whole bunch of players that have moved who are in that you know six to eight hundred thousand who really don't deserve it and you've got blokes that are uh, more uh, loyal and have better service and a better output in terms of their football career that aren't earning that amount of money because they've never moved and so they've never had the same leverage. You know, you can't tell me that Jake Lever or Mitch McGovern deserve the money that they're currently on and yet they were able to extract that because of the way that salary cap is is um, unregulated in terms of how money is spent. So I, I think it needs looking at. It doesn't. It doesn't pass the sniff test for me. I'm in the same camp as you, but you know there'll be others that say we're wrong. But uh, anyhow, yeah. I, I'm with yep. you. All right, we need and to move on. Oh, sorry, last just, comment, Nick. Just, just yeah, just very quickly. That a couple of years ago, Sloney actually did bring up because that's when money was being thrown at him to go back to St Kilda, etc. And he said, "Look, why can't we have something that for a player to be loyal to a club to stay with the club to get a bonus?" I like that. And, of course, everybody, everybody poo-pooed that down, but I think that actually has a little bit of merit. Well, I think I think loyalty needs to come back into it. I think there needs – at the moment, unless your team is in dead set in the middle of a premiership window, if you're a star player, there is absolutely no incentive for you to stay at that club financially. You know, you look at the – you look at Sloney now – it, it, there's a fair chance, unfortunately, that he will not be around by the time our squad rematures and gets itself ready for a premiership tilt. But he's chosen to stay around, uh, and some will say, well, he's made that lifestyle choice, whatever. That doesn't make any difference. The simple fact is it, it's a gain. Mitch McGovern gets rewarded for moving and gets a salary that he probably doesn't deserve. Rory Sloan, uh, who's ten times the player Mitch McGovern is, is probably on a similar amount of money for staying and sees no benefit of it from it. it that, that's a, a really good example, Nick, of where the disparity is, I think. Anyway, look, let's move on. Uh, some other AFL news. Um, Brisbane have got themselves an Irishman. 
Have they? they? Yeah, they didn't get the one that we wanted, but uh, they got themselves a, uh, oh, sorry, a European. He is an Irishman, but he came out of the European combine. He was born in Lithuania. God, yeah. And he's been in Ireland since age four, and apparently he's lightning quick. Irish. Apparently he's lightning quick. Yeah, well, that's one of the one of the, the beauties of the players in general from Ireland. They're quick. Well, he he hasn't come through the Gaelic system. Um, he, he actually no, he went to the European Combine. Um, so, what's his sporting background? I wonder. Uh, let me see if I can. He must find have out. a ball sport of some description. Uh, no. I can't read it quickly. I won't waste time. There's an article on the AFL website if people want to have a look. Um, so anyway, he's going to be a Category A rookie for um, Brisbane. Um, category B? Category A, I think. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else is there? There's not a lot else. State of Origin? The, state of, the alleged yeah, I was, state of Origin. Which, which isn't really. It's gonna, not really State of Origin. I was going to get it's to that at the end, uh, Mac. Uh, we'll, okay. talk about, we'll talk about that in a little minute. Um, Tom Brown came out today and said that uh, Richmond were hunting Darcy Moore. Uh, Tom Brown, in my opinion, and I don't know how you guys think, but I think Tom Brown should have his bloody media licence taken away from him. He is, many he is the biggest muckraker since bloody that other toss. Um, what was his name? Oh, You know who I'm talking about. McClure. McClure. Sam McClure. Yeah. Yeah. We're at the beginning of the season and he's basically made this nothing statement that Richmond would love to have Darcy Moore on their list and Damon Hardwick would love to coach Darcy Moore and all of a sudden that's now on. You know, I I wish, I wish that the (laughs) AFL media would just back the hell out and start, you know, placing a little bit of emphasis on facts. And, of course, Eddie Maguire's come out and put it. There's no fun. Uh, it's getting a bit tiresome, though, Nick. Don't you think? It does. But they, they, and, and this is what gets me: is they do this every preseason. They are looking to the following year. They really start pushing who they're going to get at the end of the trade. They've already sort the even the AFL website has even had articles up on who's coming out of contract this year. The season hasn't even started. Yeah. And it, it, it just, and, to me, what it smacks of is that they can't actually go and do journalism. Well, and that there's not enough news for them to fill the cycle. And the thing is, again, I get back to the, the way we're treating our players and mental health is such a big issue these days, right? And the AFL reckon they're committed to um, open discourse around mental health and looking after players and whatnot. And yet the media scrutiny on a, a kid like Darcy Moore, who is already from a family that suffered through great controversy great controversy when his old man went to bloody Melbourne back in the day in the 70s, right? Here's a kid who wants to sign another deal with Collingwood, hasn't, is in his last year of his contract. Some idiot from the media puts like two and two together and, and uh, comes up with six just because Richmond of lots rants. He's gone around looking going, oh, who, who would be a good fill for Rance's spot? Well, Darcy Moore's out of contract. Let's make that a big issue. Right, and never mind that they actually played quite well without Rams. That, well, and, well, the bottom line is Nick that it puts pressure on Darcy Moore. Now he's got to deal with that scrutiny. He's got to deal with these issues. Now, if you're a parent of a twenty-two, twenty-three 
even 25 year old you can't tell me that you think that your parent your kids would be equipped to deal with the amount of national media secu- uh, scrutiny that Darcy Moore's going to be under now and that Brody Grundy was under last year etc 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 and I just think it's time that the the AFL media circus backed off these kids a little bit and I also think that you're talking about their players association before Nick this is exactly where the players association need to get involved because they're supposed to not only look after the financial interests of their playing group, but also the emotional and physical health of their playing group. And I don't think they're fulfilling their charter at the moment, do you? No. And I don't think they have for a very long time. I've been quite, you know, I've been quite scathing regarding them. They they seem to protect a, a certain amount of players, but not all of the players. They they do it when it's when it's evident when a, when a player comes out and says I'm I'm having a break because of mental health issues, that's when they back off and oh they wrap their arms around them and all the rest of it. But the problem is that half the time it's the media that's contributed to that situation in the first place. So there's yes. a real double standard there. And look, I'll freely admit that this podcast at times has probably contributed to that, and it's a, a promise that I'm going to make to our listeners uh, going forward having thought about it over the off-season, that we need to wrap... Like, and we're an Adelaide Crows podcast, but we need to wrap our arms around the Adelaide Crows players. And the last thing that I want this podcast to be is a source of anxiety, even though we've got, you know, bugger all coverage compared to the big media outlets. We, I'd rather we just didn't contribute to all that. Yeah, yeah well, and it's, it's I, something I agree with you. But in a way, sometimes you have to in the sense that um, when you're talking about a player getting well beaten by his opponent, so you, you, you can't avoid saying the truth in those situations. Yeah, but that's different, it's, Macca. It's that's how, analysis. How, how you say it, Macca, though, it's that for some people they will do it by quite personally attacking instead of talking about the effect of what they did and how they can improve. Okay. And it's. I think it comes back down to a lot of people not having a coaching background and not knowing the positive, negative, positive. Well, mantra. and you know, let, let's have let's have a look at a guy like David McKay, who's an absolute whipping boy for the Adelaide Crows, and oh, unfairly I, I, treated. Well, unfairly treated in a personal sense. I, I think the analysis uh, of David's game has been valid. You know, my personal view is that I don't think that he's he should be first 22 for the Adelaide Crows. But do I think he's a bad fella? No. He, he's a lovely fella. We've had him on this podcast. We, he's probably still our highest rated player interview, which tells you something about, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the manner in which the Adelaide Crows fans think about David. But the simple factor is that we need to eliminate some of the rhetoric around how we analyse his game. You know, instead of saying David McKay is shit, we need to say David McKay. Well, well, I've never said that. So I'm, no, 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 but, no, no, no. But I'm with you on. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you only have to go on Big Footy to see some of some of well, the rambling rhetoric about certain players and coaches and individuals. Um, and the simple fact is that there's there's ways to analyse a player's game without tearing them down uh, on a personal level. And, you know, I, look, I'm sure if people trawled back through our episodes, I'm sure they could find many examples where we've crossed that line. And that's fine. And I'm sure we'd all put our hand up and say, in retrospect, 
that's not the right thing to do. And I think as a podcast, I think we need to make a commitment to we've we've always been analytical. We've never pulled punches, but and I don't think anyone has ever done this on on purpose. But I think we have to make a special effort to keep our analysis to the game and try and keep the rhetoric to a minimum because getting back to the point i think the media are putting these kids under enough pressure as it is yeah i'm 100 percent with you uh, and i'm happy to go along with what you're saying yeah and, and it's not a comment as it wasn't supposed to be a big statement i i think i just i read mcclure and and tom brown and, and these blokes these muckrakers you know hutchinson and that and I just get tired of it. And I think, well, my son is the same age as Brodie Grundy. And if he was in an AFL, in the AFL system, um, I know that it would have a massive, uh, a massive uh, impact on his life. And that's not something as a parent that I'd want for my, for my 25-year-old son. So if I wouldn't want it for my kid, why would I want it for anyone else's kids? You also agree with Vardy Magic with, her, with his her, uh, comment about... Can't be uh, sycophantic, though. In other words, um, we can't a- avoid telling the truth at times. But what you're saying is, uh, don't embellish it with personal insults. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, Maka. I don't think we'll ever be sycophants. We, we, uh, one, one of the things that we pride ourselves on as a podcast, and I don't, I'd, look, this will be the last on it. One of the things we like about the, doing the podcast is that we do, we, we're not apricot slices, we're not chardonnay sippers. When the crows are doing well, we're all about it. When the crows are doing badly, we're all about it. And that's been shown over the last couple of years. And I think a lot of what we've said about how the crows have been over the last couple of years has been vindicated by what happened in the off-season. But I think there's a way of doing it, and there's a way of doing it that is uh, focused on the sport and not on the individual. So I think we need to take that mantra, uh, Macca, play the ball, not the man. You reckon? 100%. Beautiful. Yeah, 100%. Right. Let's move on. This one last one of that Lions okay. guy. He he's a go, he is a goalkeeper in Gaelic football. And, oh, there you uh, go. And they tested him. He's he's a yo-yo test is higher than anybody that tested here in uh, Australia. And he also is a speed machine as well. So if they can teach him to, uh, to play footy, he's got to be a damn good player. Yeah, good score. All right, let's move on to the women's match on the weekend, shall we? We got up in the end, Nick, but it wasn't easy. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it was, yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. Now, last week you two were like, oh, we're going to smash them, and I was the one that said, no, 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 this is the type of team that will worry us. I was right. I actually um, said we should smash them. We should smash them if we had more of those players in. Um, they are the type of team that worries us. I really like the way that St Kilda plays Peter Searle, the way she's picked that team, the types of players that she's picked, I think they're going to be a great side to watch. They're going to get a win soon. Um, They play very fast uh, football, but it's with a lot of skill. Um, They've got some great kicks in the team. They've got a lot of speed, and they use that to really good advantage in the, the first half. We kind of a little bit like last week, we were slow to start. We were backing away a little bit. The second half, it was like it had kind of been the, the switch had been flicked in or at the ground. It was like, well, they got yelled at at halftime. Um, and basically what it was was Clarkie was essentially saying, we need to get 
in their face and we need to get our tackle count up and our pressure up. And as soon as they started to do that in the third quarter, um, we saw St Kilda not be able to get that run on game. They, they, there were still little bits of moments, but I also thought they started to tire. Well, I think um, we, we about six minutes before half time, though, Nick, we started to put, our players finally started to put some uh, pressure on them. Yes, uh, our, our disposal was disgraceful up to then, and on top of that, uh, as you said before, we went on air. The, the damn forwards were right out of position all the time and going up too high, and not, and we'd kick down there, down there'd be nobody there, and uh, um, and then even then if there was, the contest wasn't hard enough, and. Uh, uh, Elise Jones, and this is not being personal, but she had one of her worst games ever in the first half. Um, she did a couple of good things in the second half, but she is a, a good player, but she didn't play as one in the first half. And and the ball was in her direction quite a bit. Yeah, and it's what I talked about last week. She was still doing it again, which is she starts from behind her opponent. She lets her opponent get in front of her. It was a windy game. So last week we didn't know how to play wet weather football. This week we didn't know how to play football with wind. Um, It was just like, oh, my God. It was very frustrating at the ground watching it because we could see how St Kilda had set up. They'd set up so well behind the ball and they were getting their numbers back. They always had an extra player in defence and Clark was happy for that to happen. But our players weren't smart enough to kick to the spaces or where we, we did get some of those plays and it generally involved uh, Maddie Newman. Um, she is a fantastic kick. It's very interesting. She was like a pick in the 90s in the draft. Yes, it is compromised. She could only come to us. But I think she might end up being probably our best player from this draft, even though there's players like Montana McKinnon, um, et cetera. Oh, she that, played very well, Nick. Yes, she did. And she's got a beautiful, beautiful kick on her. Um, so I, I think it was it was kind of funny on the telecast that Peter Searle was reported as saying, oh, you know, we've got them at three-quarter time. Let's run over the top of them. It's like, have you met the Adelaide side? That doesn't happen. We are – I think we still are quite a fit team. Um, and that did show they – St Kilda tired. They couldn't – stick to their defensive structures. They also lost one of their key defenders. Courageous going back with a flight of the ball, but it was a, a tough hit and she um, got the double whammy with the hit on the ground with the head, so she had to to go off. But I think the move of Courtney Gum into the midfield or on the wing um, a little bit um, in the second quarter started to stem the tide. Renee Fourth was put on the wing. So those two mature heads worked really well. Ange Foley had a horrible game last week, but she was back to doing what I wanted her to do in the absence of Randall. She was a bit more of that intercepting player and reading the ball a lot better across that half-back line. That's what we're going to need from her every game. They put a really strong tag on Hatcher, so she couldn't get her kicks away. So she did a lot more handballs this week, but they were still fairly proactive. Um, and Marinoff, it was kind of interesting at the game because she still has a problem with that kick of hers that it's just the dump kick and it's going to go up in the air and cause a bit of problems. But she did get the 10 votes from the coaches and re-watching the game, I could just see how much she was actually coaching on the ground and helping and the other players. 
The second half is very good, Nick, and uh, it was. She, and, and her disposal was one of the reasons in the second half is one of the reasons why we did improve because, yeah, she did the dump kick in the first half virtually uh, every time, but uh, I did like her disposal a lot better, kick to position or to a person in the second half, and I and I thought that she uh, was one of the reasons we got right back in the game, and of course, um, Gum was an absolute ripper in. She, you know, she really played a top second half, and they they were the two people that uh, uh, got us over the line, really. So yeah. I've heard you mention again, and I've from the reports that I've read again, we seem to be second to the ball early. Yep, that's two weeks in a row. Um, yep. because Brisbane certainly, I felt we were hesitant at the contest. Now, is that a little bit of a premiership hangover? Do you think? No, lack I- of leadership. I, no, think it's I don't think it's leadership, the mate. The younger players. Do you think it's... Yeah, no, but we've got experienced players around the ball. Marinoff and Hatchard are experienced players. Uh, to me, you know, you know, you just get 1% off the boil after you've won a flag sometimes. I, I just well, wonder whether we've been a little bit off the boil. In the centre, in the centre, we're actually not doing bad. It's once it gets out of that area where there are more of the younger players getting involved in the back line or those half-backs and the, the half-forwards coming up around the ball and not quite getting to the position they are. They're a little bit hesitant. Um, Nawa Allen, I've seen her play some SNFL games and she's, she was looking a little bit hesitant and I know she can play so much better than that. So I, I do think it is still a little bit of nerves and I think it is quite a jump up. Mm. from the speed they're used to at the SNFLW mm. to this AFLW. So like you said at our first um, cast for the year, we've got such a young team. We have so many injuries. It's going to be a bit tough for us, but if we can scrape out those wins, it's going to help us If once we start getting um, those other players back. So Metcalf is actually back joining in quite a few drills and so is Phillips. They might not be ready this week, but I think they're close um, which is quite good. I just wish that every journalist would stop asking as their first question out their mouth to any Crows AFLW player. So is Aaron back next week? So actually talk about them might be nice. Um, mm. So I think it's where. But also if you look back to our season last year, we were always, we always often let teams get the jump on us in the first quarter. So it's I don't think it's actually a... Uh, premiership hangover thing. I think it's actually just it takes us a little time to get into a game and Clarkie's still working on get getting them to flick that switch because once they do, then they're actually quite unstoppable. I, I think that there are three things at the moment that are different from the Crows of last year. First of all is that intensity at the contest. Second of all, we don't seem to be clean at ground level. And yep. third, we lack a target up forward. Well, yes, we do, and uh, you know you, we're really missing like somebody like an Aaron Phillips up there. Um, young Gould, young Gould, who took that absolute beautiful mark in the last yeah. quarter. Um, that was a, that was the first game, wasn't it, Nick? And, it was uh, indeed. And I think that once she gets over nerves and that, she could be a very handy target. But make sure she stays in the square because that that will absolutely put panic in their hearts. Okay, oh, she, will and and they've talked about it before. They said. You know, she literally just marks anything that comes her way. Um, there were a couple she didn't quite clump, but she was still getting her hands to and bringing it down. Um, 
But if anybody hasn't watched the game, go and watch the second half and particularly watch um, young Madison Newman and some of the things that she did. She is an incredibly clever player. A lot of she'll actually, she's one of those young ones who actually seems to have gotten up to the speed of the game very quickly. There are a couple of times she could see a defender in front of her raising the arms and she does a low kick. So it goes under them and gets to our player that's actually leading towards the ball in the forward lines and creating a contest and moving the ball forward. So um, I think she's quite a highlight. It's going to be interesting this week coming up. We're up against Geelong down at Cardinia Park, but they haven't won there yet. They actually no, haven't won a game. It's not, not the graveyard. That... <laughs> it's a shitty time, though, again, 4.40 on a Sunday. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You it's know, horrible time. I mean, come on. Seriously. Anyway, um, look, we're going to have to leave it there for the AFLW. Um, but, um, look, it was good to see I, the girls get back on track. There was just one thing in the AFLW which I thought was hilarious was after the Collingwood-Carlton game, they were interviewing, um, I think it's Livingston, who was the defender who played on Taylor Harris and played on her quite well. And the quote They've only taken one word out of the quote where they just said she called her useless. No, she said once you take out her aerial game, she's useless on the ground. All right. Let's... That is so true of Taylor Harris, and Come I on. love the fact that we got a player actually being quite honest. That's enough. All right. Now, Macca, on to the serious stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Pre- no, I didn't say that. Pre-season starts. Thank God for that. Um, two rounds of the uh, Marsh Community Series, uh, punctuated by that uh, pseudo-State of Origin um, charity match, which is a very good cause, but uh, it's not State of Origin, that's for sure. And we got Melvin at Casey Fields on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, where's Casey Fields? I've never heard that of Casey remember, remember how they moved Seaford or wherever it is out there? It is absolutely horrible out in the sticks of Melbourne. In order for people to get there, you literally have to catch um, two trains and two buses if you're catching them by public transport. It is an incredibly windy ground. They've played a lot of AFLW games out there. I think most players hate it or the spectators hate it. But, oh, for some reason we keep getting games out there. It's a shithole. Yeah, it, it's um, it's not the best. I think okay. Melbourne moved their training ground out there and then they decided against it after all. Oh, they don't like it anyway. Um, a couple of things uh, on the Crows front. Uh, Riley Knight got an Achilles injury, which is not good news for Riley because they can be a pain in the ass to get out of. Um, and it always has to have an injury in pre-season. Yeah, look, it's... This is a real. It's a big season for Riley, in my opinion, and it's not a good start for him. Uh, an Achilles will take him out for six weeks, and it could actually hamper him all season. Having done an Achilles myself, I know that once once you've got them, they're hard to get over. I mean, um, could be bad news for him though, Fiend, because he was the very last player they signed up. Well, so yes, that's what I mean. He's. Uh, it's not the start he would have wanted. Hopefully, it's not major. Um, because he would he would be wanting to stick his hands up. They're saying three to four weeks, um, but that's just competitive loads. Uh, look, they're just a bitch. I mean, remember um, Van Berlo? I mean, he, I mean, obviously yeah. his his was oh, a, that, his was a rupture. That was a nasty so, one. So it was a lot that, worse. That was, but that that was him done. Thing. 
That was him yep. done. So not good news for Riley Knight at all, and we do wish him all the best. Uh, Ned McHenry is uh, not going to be considered this weekend either, um, um, I don't that, think. Well, yep. he, he did, he's got a, a, a knock to the stomach or something, a knee to the stomach or something like that, and uh, depends how he pulls up, which means he may well be unlikely. Um, and, do, and Duda is definitely not playing. He'll be playing next week. Yeah, uh, they can take as long as they like with time, in my opinion. This is not a season yeah. to be rushing players back. No. But they, they did say my mate Hardigan uh, is, uh, is likely to be available. <laughs> yep, he, <laughs> they they made sure that there was a little something on social media today of him moving nice and freely at training. God, they, <laughs> I thought they, of you when I saw it. They, oh, I know, they're always going to have something for me. Uh, um, Mackesy, though, I'm, I'm, they, I'm really okay. hoping... He he's been going very very well apparently in their um, little private sessions and uh, uh, it'll be very interesting to watch because um, they reckon he's a really good chance to be in the opening game opening round so you know I think they've got a real beauty in this boy they keep raving about him yeah and I think I mean I watched um, Jordan Butts last year in the SNFL and I think he's also another really nice talent but he's still a slight frame, whereas Fisher is already yeah, he's ready to go. Yeah, um, than him. So I think yeah, he is ready to go. So as much as it's a pity that even though Jordan's been in the system for a year, he was a rookie pickup. He is still a rookie. I think we've got some two very nice key position players there, and there's also Josh Worrell. Yeah, yeah. He, he I think he's going to be a gun in time because he's he's a very athletic type, and he's a uh, 195 centimeters, and uh, he's uh, he can play back, forward, on ball, wherever. So um, just give him time to develop and not pay, maybe not this year, but next year he could be uh, a very likely player for us. Yep. Um, look, it's a bit of a nothing game, of course, but it's it's good to get everyone on the park. It'll be interesting to see how the Crows look under a new coaching regime Uh and uh, hopefully they give the young lads a bit of a run. Uh, what are they, are they running? What are they running, 25, 24? Do we oh, know? I think, I think it's yeah, I think they run get, the extra one, don't they? Twenty-seven, isn't it? It's. it's uh, I think it might be. A bit, I don't, I'm not sure, but I think they could go up to about twenty-seven players or something. Like that. Yeah, okay. they did last year, yeah. but anyway, they, certainly at least twenty-five. Oh, yeah, it is was twenty-five because they, they used to name twenty-eight, then cut three. Cut so, three. Uh, yep, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so it'll be good. You'd, you'd expect there'd be some young lads uh, running around. It'll be good to see how Chase Jones fronts up and where they stick him. Uh, it'll be very interesting in to dark. see. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Um, I, I really hope they don't use him as a small forward. Just stick him in the guts and let the kid develop. Um, oh, well, that's has been playing all in, his time there. Yeah, yep. in the internal trial, uh, they played him in the midfield. Yep. He so was let's solidly that, in the midfield. He wasn't up forward. Let's hope that I, continues. I see, um, I see that uh, DSG said he hates the Mars series and they keep wondering why they play well. As a person who uh, barracks for his team and, and wants to see what what what's coming up, I love the the Mars series because you, you, know, you see the young lads get a go, and also being a dream teamer from way back and a very successful one. This is where you get a lot of your exposes a bit of form, doesn't it? Especially on the young <laughs> it lads. Does. You, you oh yeah, it's a bargain. Team, it's, it's the most yeah. important game of the year. And look, Macca, there's there's not many things that I can give you a commendation about, but Dream Team is one of them. You got the runs on the board there, so we we bow to your uh, your uh, let's not call it luck uh, in no, Dream no, Team. I, I netted two and a half grand last year. 
Yeah, so um, the forward line is where I'm most interested, as I mentioned last week. It's going to be really interesting to see how they use Das and Tex and uh, how much of a run Benny Davis gets, how they use the tools in Himmelberg um, and uh, just how they structure up, whether that we... You know, I'm sure Nix will probably run a couple of looks uh, during the course of the match. We'll probably go small and tall at various stages. Um, You know, we've got Frampton to look at as well. So it's going to be quite interesting. I reckon he'll try you know in one game probably two or three different setups. Uh, you know, I would try think to so. Work out which is the better one? Because the end, end result doesn't really matter in these games. What really matters is uh, you get a look at your players and you get you get a look to see where uh, you know you control players in different different positions than they normally play, and you yeah. get a look at the players who haven't been in the side before to see where they're going to cut the mustard. Uh, I, I love these matches. Yep. Yep. And I think what we've traditionally done. Um, us as Adelaide, we've played a lot more of the kids in the first game. Correct. Um, Correct, Nick. And then we get more closer to the settled round one side in the second game. Um, there was one person who was able to uh, sneak through the construction zone and give a sneaky little uh, bit of a recap on some of the trial game, not just from what the club put out, which was fabulous. Oh, aren't we doing fabulous in team first? Was that they... They noticed that there was a lot of the midfielders weren't just playing in the typical midfield. They were pushed on the outside as a lot of rotation through the wings. And I did see that somebody else pointed out that that's a very GWS thing that they yeah, did in the way they Very much so. Very much so, so. I, I, I think we're going to get a very similar game style to that. I think we'll get elements of GWS. I don't think we yeah, have the same squad. Well, we can. Um, but I like that because it's going to force blokes like Rory Atkins to be much more accountable. Yes. Uh, and it will expose his form. If, if Rory doesn't get more of his own ball, he's going to be struggling, I think, this year. Um, so anyway, look, we need to finish up because uh, we've already gone over my preconceived time idea. Um, but the last thing that I just want to touch on in regards to pre-season is we've got uh, four blokes in that state of origin game that's going to be held on the 28th so would you be holding Sloney, Lady, Smith and Tex aside after the first half this weekend? Um, yeah probably you'd, you'd probably give you want them to have a, a reasonable run you'd probably give them a two thirds of a run or something like that but uh, you'd want to get a little bit under their belt um, well, well they're all senior players so fitness isn't really an issue uh, they've got a good yeah. fitness base. Um, you want to be careful with loads on blokes like Brody Smith, who who's done a knee. Uh, so you want to be careful with a bloke like that. Uh, Sloney's a, a war horse, but he carries injuries. He's got his shoulder and foot and a couple of other things, so you don't want to overwork him. I know and it's only going to be a bit of an ex- exhibition game, but uh, I guess we yeah. need to be careful. But it's still, it's still be. He's play, been played at the Docklands, which is a horrible stadium on those type of injuries anyhow because of the, the concrete base. Oh, the um, Laird, Yeah, Lady's presser today, well, they asked about it and he said, yeah, yeah, we've got to have a chat with um, Hass, meaning Matt Hass, um, about our loads, about what we're going to be doing this week and next week leading into that game. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think there's definitely like, yes, they do want to play because of the cause and what it is for. Of course. But I think we're being quite realistic and already thinking about, what we need to do for them. So it could be inter- it could be that we have two of those that sit out the first half mm. and play in the second half and and vice versa. 
Interesting yep. thing, isn't it? It's a silly little thing. We've got two Rory's in the, in the in the in the squads. Are there any other Rory's in any other team? Maka, do you know at fifty six minutes into the podcast, <laughs> the one thing that you said that was correct is that it's a silly little thing. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can jeez, my God. Anyway, I'm just thinking about it. Yeah, We've good. got three fourths of the Rory's. D- discuss it with Mrs. Mack uh, during the course of the week. Um, okay. I, I'm sure she'll slap you around as well. Uh, in the meantime, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks everyone on Spreaker, Facebook, and YouTube for joining us. Uh, the chat uh, on Spreaker is always great. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday for pre-season episode four. I think we're. St- Do you feel like we're starting to shake the cobwebs out now, Nikki? A little bit. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Uh, there will be some changes leading into the pre into the main season. Uh, we'll probably schedule a press conference uh, in a couple of weeks' time just to announce those changes, Macca. Uh, but until then, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Macca and Nikki, for your presence and input tonight and we will see you next tuesday enjoyed it myself good night all night all